Welcome to episode 70. Did you know your thoughts have powers? What if you could teach your kids that in a fun, loving game kind of way? Well, now you can. Today's guest is Lynn McLaughlin. She and her niece Amber Raymond, a social worker, have joined forces to publish a children's book series titled The Power of Thought, where children beam off to an imaginary planet to learn how to manage their emotions in a positive way. Thank you for listening, subscribing, reviewing, and downloading a podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. Now be the messenger of hope and share this episode with one of your friends. Enjoy this conversation with Lynn. How would you like to master your mind to transform your life, overcome anxiety, trauma, doubt, and suffering to win daily and enjoy a life of confidence, peace, and freedom? This is your unique opportunity to work directly one-on-one with me in a breakthrough coaching. If you are interested, you can check out the link below and schedule your 45-minute discovery session to see if we are a fit. Welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. I am your host, Irina Shehovtsov, and I am on a mission to empower broken-hearted women to break the chains of the past and move forward boldly into the future. Single Parent Success Stories was created to inspire single parents out there who are struggling to help them realize what is possible. and welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. Today's guest is Lynn McLaughlin, and she is an educator and parent. Lynn is passionate about children's mental health. Lynn speaks openly about her role in enabling one of her children who struggled with debilitating anxiety. She and her niece, Amber Raymond, a social worker, have joined forces to publish children's book series titled The Power of Thought where children beam off to an imaginary planet to learn how to manage their emotions in a positive way. Lynn is joining us from Kingsville, Ontario, and she also grew up in a single parent household. Welcome, Lynn. It is a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Much appreciated. (laughs) Thank you. So how, how are you today? How's the weather? Oh, well, I think probably like everywhere else, it rain, it, you know, rain, 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 then there's sun, then there's rain, then there's cold. And it's, what am I going to wear today? A sweater, a triple layer. It's crazy. <laughs> how, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm fine. I just roll with it. Right. I still, I will still walk every single day rain. You know, if it's minus 20 degrees Celsius in the snow, I might, I might choose to do something different, but um, every single day I'm out for a walk and that keeps me grounded. So I'm great. Yep. Amazing. Awesome. And yourself. How about you? I'm doing great as well. And I love your, you know, I'm also doing the walking no matter what's going on outside. I love my morning walks, especially if I get to go on the beach. That's uh, super special. Oh, absolutely. Especially this time of year and everything. And where, where, uh, where I'm from, everything is full green right now. The perennials are start, starting to bloom. It really is uplifting. Even just 15 minutes a day. If, uh, if people could do that, it can make a difference big difference yeah all right so please share with us your story let's begin with you growing up in a single parent household what are some of the uh, challenges you faced maybe some things that you wished you had Uh, please share with us about you 
It's interesting, right? So I'm speaking from the perspective of a child and thinking yeah. about it in a reverse way. And I love this actually, because I think there's lots of learning for all of us regardless. And the context that I have certainly only applies to my life and my family. It certainly doesn't apply to everyone else, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm the oldest of uh, four. Uh, later became six. There's, but but in my family with my mom and my my dad, there were four of us, um, five years apart. Uh, I was born a year less than a year after my parents were married. Twenty one, twenty. You know, uh, that's the way it was back in the day. And childhood was fantastic for a while. We had uh, my dad was bipping around between jobs. Lots of lots of complexities there, but you know, very happy family. This is back in the day. I look at pictures where, you know, mom's always pregnant, <laughs> mom's mom's <laughs> always running around chasing after. Lots of black and white photos, and uh, and then things kind of things really took a shift. And I understand much more today than I ever did in the past because I've had those open conversations with my father. I should say my mom's been gone for about 20 years now. So open conversations with my father, who's actually writing a book so we can all better understand why things fell apart. But from the time I was in grade four, mm -hmm. um, we, uh, we, we lived with our cousins, five cousins, nine of us all together on a farm about a half an hour away. My dad had uh, discovered his talent. He'd are, as a child, he, he immigrated from Scotland, I should say very gifted musician was in the choir on the stage, you know, not on the stage, sorry. Um, in a church okay. singing and school and he, he discovered entertainment. Someone tapped him on the shoulder. I was in, I was nine years old and he loved being on stage. Well, long story short, he ended up in a band. He ended up in several bands. He was a lead singer, loved it and was searching for his dream right? His dream, obviously, to become recognized. He sounds very much like Neil, Neil Diamond, I will say, very talented. And that never happened, but it certainly separated our family. So, I mean, he was there and present for a few years after that. But then I think by the time I was 15 or 16, we rarely saw him anymore. And my mom was a single parent. My youngest son, sorry, youngest brother, uh, from the time my dad left, uh, originally would have been five, four. So I think he was impacted the most. Long story short, he had a, a relationship with another woman, had two other children. My parents ended up divorced and mom raised us renting a farmhouse uh, not too far from Kingsville, actually, um, from that time on. And I, her favorite expression was, I'm going to steal from pay Peter to pay Paul. I have vivid memories of her um, as a single parent not just dealing from, she she was gone for work at six o'clock in the morning. She was back at three o'clock in the afternoon. She never took a day off work because she worked in a dry cleaning factory. And if she didn't work, she didn't get paid. Um, and I want, I'd love to have a conversation with her today to say, she put us all so first, always, always, always in front of her health, in front of her, her emotional health. She was one of these people with great pride who would never ask anyone for help. I wish we could go back in time and I wish she could see now that she did need help and there was nothing wrong with asking for help. She could have gotten that help. She could have uh, sought some um, assistance, counseling, whatever it was, because she always put us first. And, you know, I, I, I don't think there's a mom. I'm a mom of three. I would always put my kids first, but she never, I don't recall her ever having time for herself. Never going. We talked about a walk when we first started. I don't recall my mom going for a walk. I don't recall walking with my mom. I recall big milestones, learning how to drive and applying to university and college and those kinds of things. But if I could go back in time and, uh, and it still really bothers me today, the memories I have of her struggling, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've now flipped to the, the positive celebrations, but um, I guess for any listeners or viewers right here, Irina, who are with you and your parents and you're single, please find the time for yourself in some way, even if it's a bath, 15 minutes and whatever, find some time for yourself and don't be afraid to ask for help. I wish she had done that. Uh, my mom passed away from lung cancer. She had quit smoking 20 years before. And we all know now today, don't we, that there's an absolute connection with our physical, our mental health, our total well-being. I do wonder, I do wonder if she had sought help and, you know, whatever that help looked like, if maybe that would not have come. I shouldn't even say that out loud, but I'm just saying we got to take care of ourselves. She held all of that bottled up inside for so long. Yeah. Yes. I talked for a long time, but now I have to say, I have to say, uh, I credit my mom. I have the most amazing relationship with my father. We all do. We all do. And, and I, I have to say openly, I do not know if I have the strength to do what she did, but when my father was not allowed to cross the border to come and visit, visit us any longer, she drove us across. She took us to visit our father. She left us with him for the day, sometimes overnight. She allowed us to go visit him. And we have the most amazing relationship with him today because of that. And because we've learned to understand what his, he wanted, wanted, wanted so badly. She was always behind him, always supporting him. And uh, I don't know what my relationship with my dad would be today if she had not done that. There would have been a very large gap in time where we would not have seen him. Or I wouldn't have gotten to know my two younger brothers from across, across the border. We're all very close today. Mm-hmm. All six of us, all still here. My dad's still here, my stepmom. And I have to credit her for, for those sacrifices that she made back in those day, days. And I have to say, I, I, I want to wish, I want to think that I could, but I can't imagine the emotion and the anger and the feeling that must have been there. But she, again, she put us first. And she never, ever said anything bad about him. And he never, ever said anything bad about her. No complaining, no accusations, never. I think that that's incredible and Mm. putting it all together. And it was probably difficult growing up. And but your mom did amazing job. Yep, she did. We didn't have a lot of materialistic things, but none of that matters. No, look at, I mean, the six of us are so close today because of family. Family is the most important thing in the world. And sometimes there are things, let's be honest, where you do have to say, no, this person's no longer in my life. That happens, right? Yes. Sexual assault, all of those kinds of things. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the, I, I guess it was a very long 15 minute answer. Or so to your first question about growing up in a single family or a single parent home. <laughs> and it's been how many years growing up in the, in the yeah. that you collapsed into such a short answer. It's true. That's very true. <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> Anything like any advice for parents? I know you mentioned, you know, self-love and taking care of yourself for the parents, but anything else you want to mention from a oh, child's boy. perspective? I, get help, get help. Um, have a wine buddy, have a water buddy, have coffee with someone. We can do virtual connections. Now we can do phone. There's lots of different ways. It's not like you have to go, had to go to uh, counseling 30 years ago and show up at a session that was pre there's just so many options. There's online support groups, there's community support groups, there's single parent support groups. And uh, you know, uh, put your kids first. If, if we can, and I have to now put my educator hat on Irina, because 
there were a number of times where I saw children, children being forced into a position where they had to choose between their mom and their dad. They're the only ones who are suffering in those circumstances. They are. So as hard as it must be, and I have not been in the situation except on the reverse end, and as an educator watching it happen to other families, as hard as it must be, go somewhere else to complain about the ex, <laughs> not in front of the children, right? And if you have to communicate with your ex by text or whatever, whatever, not in front of the children, right? And it's just, you know, always rise above and what is best for them. As hard as that is, if you can find that middle ground, I, I think, you know, your moms are moms and dads are going to be dads, period. You can't change that. And regardless of how much hurt or whatever that we've been through, that person is always going to be that child's parent, period. Yes. I totally on the same page with you. Okay. <laughs> Where, what, who did you want to be when you were growing up? Did you oh, always want to be a teacher or there was some other? No, I, I, I wanted to be a psychologist actually. And you know, that old question, if you didn't get the career that you had now, what would you do differently? I would become a psychologist, a practicing clinician. I think mm -hmm. I'm so in awe. My niece is a practicing, practicing social worker clinician now. And I love my career, love my career. Um, But yeah, it was a psychologist at first. Interesting. And maybe that's because of everything that was going on in my childhood and trying to figure things out. And I was the older sibling. And you know what that looks like? There's <laughs> a lot of responsibilities on these shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. So what brings you joy? Uh, a finding. Uh, oh, my children. Absolutely. Actually, uh, in less than two weeks time, my oldest son is getting married and I'm so, so excited. Congratulations. I just, uh, the mother of the groom. I'm the mother of the groom. I have to practice my role. <laughs> uh, no, my children, my husband, uh, we are so blessed in so many ways. We, we really are. Um, my career in education, the number of people that I've met and collaborated with. Uh, oh, and nature and gardening and walking and finding a way to stay grounded mm -hmm. in the things that you love to do and pushing aside, push aside the things that if you can, There's some things we have to do that we don't enjoy. There's no choice there, <laughs> right, right? but focusing on those things that you love. Lots of things bring me joy today. Um, but I also am a brain tumor survivor. So uh, I, I have to say, um, I wish the universe had been kinder to me. It was nine years ago, but I was on that treadmill. I was on that 70 hours a week treadmill bound to meet my career objectives. And I got stopped dead in my tracks before I realized what's, what brings me joy. Mm. So, Yeah. <laughs> sorry how 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 are you now i'm great i'm i'm great i i have notes all around me because i do have some challenges with my memory but other than that my recovery has been uh, it's been exceptional and i have the love of family and friends which is a huge part mm -hmm. and i will say that i also have the privilege of having medical insurance so i did i was able to uh hire a clinical psychologist to help me through my re recovery so i have to just say that openly but yeah it's been fine it's amazing amazing What was the one smallest thing you did that uh, changed, that had the most impact in your life, would you say? The smallest thing I did? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'd have to think about that one. Can we come back to that question? Sure. <laughs> I missed that one in my prep. <laughs> This is, smallest. I didn't mention it before. This is. Okay. Okay. Spur of the moment. So please share with us, you know, how did you decide to write that amazing book, The Power okay, so, of Thought? Yeah. So um, I wrote a book after my brain tumor. 
Uh, I felt like I really needed to help the community out. I wrote a second book about a mother who is trying to save her son from debilitating anxiety. And that was based on a lot of real life experiences that I pulled in from a lot of people. And, um, but I, I've really, really been bothered, uh, actually quite upset as many of us are at the impact that COVID has brought. And even before COVID, the level of anxiety that was growing, I saw it in my students, I saw it in my schools, I saw it in my own family. And we seem to be in this place where we're, we're, we're talking all the time and we should be, I'm not saying we shouldn't be. We're talking all about the time of how do we save people when they're getting close to the ledge or they're falling over the ledge? What's the crisis response? What's the, what's the treatment? What's the, and I, and I wanted to say, what are we doing? What can we do to be proactive? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. What's missing. And, and, you know, mental health is very, very complex. There's not one single uh, kiss to the forehead is, is an expression that was used in my last book. That's going to solve everything. But if we could give four, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds tools to better equipment, equip them for some of the challenges they're going to be facing in their life. Who knew what challenge they'd be, they'd be facing in the last two years for Pete's sakes, then, then maybe that can be part of the puzzle. And so my, my niece was in her master's in social work at the time. And I, and I actually had a little bit of a draft done, but I was really stuck because I'm not a practicing clinician. I was writing it as an educator point of view. And she jumped right in away, uh, right away with me. It took us over a year to get thing, get the first book published. And now we've got a 10 book series. The first book is out. The second book is being illustrated. The third book has been written and is being edited. And um, it's called The Power of Thought. And we, we hired an amazing young lady from Windsor, Ontario, graduate from, just graduated from high school. Incredible, incredible illustrator. And the three of us have just connected. And I, I just have to say, my gosh, you know, you talk about collaboration all the time. We are, have clicked. And if we don't like, we, we create a gender um, um, beings that are not identifiable by gender. So what colors do we use? What do we make that creature look like? What do we, right? In, there's never been any judgment. Well, I really like that. Well, I'd rather have this. It's just been open, an open discussion every time. And it's taken the books to a level that blows me away i just have to say so our premise is let's go back we can use the words emotional literacy teaching emotional intelligence any of those kinds of things but every single book in the series teaches a strategy the first one is called i have choices it's behind here i have choices and it's so easy irena to say well you have choices okay well go ahead and make a choice no we need to teach what is the strategy to make choices and then reinforce it and help our children practice it until the point where it becomes a natural thing for them to do. So in this situation, we've created this imaginary planet called Tezra and all of these beings are there and they all look different, but they're all children and they glow in the color that they're feeling because we're also teaching emotional vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And they enter a situation that any child would and any child can identify with and then their emotion changes to, in the first book, it's orange, which means frustration or worry. And then we walk them through the strategies through these um, adult beings whose faces we never see. And uh, at, the, at the end of the book, they're green and they're glowing again. And they've used a strategy that's helping them face that situation that can apply to a number of them. I'm talking a lot with my hands, I see. Well, anyway, well, I, you know, it, it just, we want to be proactive. We want to teach at the beginning and whether or not that's Clinic, we and we consulted with educators, clinicians, uh, parents, and guardians, and revised and edited the book. That's part of the reason it took so long. So now um, it really does. I think it's incredible. I'm a little biased, 
but I think what we're doing is incredible. I love the description. I want to get one, one of those books. <laughs> and especially well, we have a glitch. I'll just say it out there. We, we, uh, we did our book launch about a, a month ago, but Amazon prime, for example, it was just taking so long. It just actually became available a week ago. So, and we hit number eight in the hot new releases in children's books. So uh, it's, yeah. And uh, you can look on our, on, the, on my website too. There's lots of different ways to get the book, but the first book, second book's coming out within two months. Amazing. I love it. And the whole, you know, the imaginary idea of, I think that's going to connect with the child so much easier. We hope so. Well, the children that we've used it with certainly have. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. That's incredible. I just want to add another thing. And, yeah. you know, Irina, you're, you're obviously younger than I am, but we didn't talk about our emotions growing up. I, you know, if you ask me, what is the strategy for, I have choices. I go, I have choices. You just, just make a choice. Right. Yeah. So this, this book series is also helping us as adults who didn't learn these things to be able to learn and model it. And even older teenagers, they can read to their younger siblings or younger classmates. And I think it just has the potential to reach a lot of people in different ways. Yeah, it is so true. I, I remember you know, growing up, you, you know, you never talk about feelings. It's just, you kind of assume like you're a robot, you just go and you do and what you never like, how are you feeling? Or yeah, what was the expression? Is, um, suck it up, buttercup, just do it. Suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I remember <laughs> we kind of like stop it in the tracks or when somebody like when the child gets hurt oh you don't have to cry so so we're kind of putting a like a what is it dumping the feeling like or recognize yeah, it, it as it's not important like get over it it's not a big deal but then it forces the child to create that shield that you know I am not important I am not enough my emotions are not uh, valuable and then you and sometimes we can't even express how we are feeling it's true and what we're trying to help people say is emotion we all have emotions and that's okay it's all right to feel angry or frustrated or any of those things but then how do we take ourselves back to a place of happiness again and there are ways there are many 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 different ways and we're we're creating 10 specific strategies so um yeah I and i think it's so much healthier it's so much healthier for us to say yeah I'm really angry. I'm feeling really angry because of this. And this is what I'm going to do about it. Yeah. So why don't you share a strategy with us? One strategy. Well, the first book and I have choices takes you through four steps. So first of all, it's, and, and so the adult models it, I want to give too much away because you want to buy the book. But yes. the, other, <laughs> the other thing is we have a QR code on the back of every book that takes uh, parents to a place where there's um, there's a, an additional kind of coloring page, but that means a child can say, what's happening to me right now that's making me frustrated and walk through those steps. So we have to be, for, be able to, first of all, identify why we're feeling this way. First of all, how are we feeling? Mm -hmm. And most kids can say, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm mad. We're making that larger. And there are a lot of books about emotional vocabulary out there. We're enlarging that vocabulary. But then we have to identify why we're feeling that way. And that's really hard to do sometimes. It's really hard to do because it could be something you're not even aware of that's made you upset. So we're helping them learn that. And then in the first book, if going into the situation is making you feel frustrated, what are your choices? So the next step is, what are other choices I have, including going into that situation and facing the frustration? That's one of them. Mm -hmm. And then the final strategy is picking one and rolling with it and going with it. 
And the other piece is we want, by doing all of this, we're also teaching children to recognize the emotions of others through nonverbal. We use very vivid not, um, um, facial expressions and you can see when someone's feeling stiff or, or they're feeling, right? It's just, so there's, there's just a lot of components in here, but we teach it in such a fun, fun, fun way on this imaginary planet that we just say, let's, let's just beam up. Let's just go beam up and have some fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Incredible. And also about, you know, choices making. I find that sometimes for kids, it could be frustrating when there are too many choices. Like, how do I pick this one over that one? And they, they could get stuck. Like you as an adult think, oh, wow, you have so much choices. And for a child, it could be overwhelming to have a lot of choices. When it's uh, and the other thing I would two. say, and this is a mistake, I'm sorry. This is a mistake I made as a parent. Um, I, what, what is the word? I would say, these are your choices. Boom, boom, boom. And educators do that a lot, right? Because if, if students have a choice, they're very likely to pick one and it's going to be okay. But as a parent, when you impose those choices on children, you're taking away their ability to identify them for themselves. When you're not there, you want them to be able to have that strategy to be able to cope. So uh, if I could go back in time and I never do shoulda, coulda, woulda, but I want to help other people today yes. is empower our children with these strategies, give them positive reinforcement when they're using them. And then they start to use them and it becomes intrinsic in what they do. It builds confidence. Let me just, I, um, self-awareness, empathy, self-compassion, they're all related. And those are so important as our children grow up. I totally, totally resonate with you. Yes. <laughs> what is a cause that you're most passionate about? A cause? Oh, well, the Brain Tumor Foundation of Canada is absolutely one. We're actually doing our walk on uh, the weekend of June 18th across Canada, oh, right wow. across Canada. Yeah, yeah. I just had my three-year check-in MRI and uh, everything is good. I have no recurrence, so I count my blessings, but Brain Tumor Foundation of Canada and Children's Mental Health um, Ontario as well. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Mm -hmm. What is number one advice you'd give to your 18-year-old self? Oh, that's funny. I walked past the farmhouse where I grew up in um, oh. about six months ago, and I actually said to my friends, oh, there's my, there's my nine-year-old self. I wonder what I would say to her. So my 18-year-old self, wow, uh, forgiveness. Uh, you know, we can be angry, we can, we can place blame, we can, and, and I, and I go back to the relationship with my parents, right, and all of that going on, and lots of other things that happen in my, in my life, people make decisions in a moment in time, or over a period of time, that unless you're actually in that context, and living with them, you really can't understand, and judgment isn't going to get us anywhere, it's about forgiveness, you may not say, um, <sighs> What's the word I want to say? I'm not saying I, I agree with what you did. I'm not saying I agree with how you behaved or how you felt, but I forgive you. And I understand that you were in a different place in your life. And let's just move forward from here. If we can, if we can, like I said earlier, there's some people that that's just never going to be able to be happen. My 18 year old self, I would say, start focusing on forgiveness and give yourself some time every day. And I would have saved uh, 30 something years of more frustration in my life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> because I was on that treadmill. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgiveness is important. And daily practice is a great idea because we always have something, whether it was a grudge or you had this bad conversation with somebody. And what a great way if you get to clear your mind every single day by practicing that forgiveness. And 
another thing to point out is we're not doing it for other people. We're doing it for ourselves so that we can step forward, move forward without having that heavy emotional baggage. Like you said, 30 years, it could have uh, helped you. <laughs> Absolutely. You said that very well. <laughs> so are you ready to answer that question? What is the smallest thing you've done that had the biggest impact in your life so far? It, the, the, it's, it's hard to say small because when I think about the things you had impact in my life, I don't think they're small. I, I don't. I mean, so I guess the small, the smallest thing I did that had the biggest impact was um, going to volunteer in my aunt's classroom when she was teaching kindergarten and then deciding that that was going to be my career as an educator. So I guess it was small. I was just going in to help her for the day, but it, it defined what my future career was going to be. So I guess that's, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> it doesn't have to be grand or big. It could be, you know, breathing, practicing good breathing or oh, you doing see? like self-love, like spending that five minutes for yourself, for just examples. And, you know, it, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be huge. So in your case, it was that because you didn't think of it that it's going to be your profession. You just went for a day to explore and then mm, I love this thing. And that kind of changed who you became. But, but interesting how I interpreted your question to be an event, ah, okay. an event as opposed to a mindset or a way yes. of being or physical or emotional health. So I'm going to have to think about that. Why did I interpret it that way? Because yeah, I like your answers much better. <laughs> It's different for for different people, you know. What do you take out? So it, there is no wrong answer. I'm just curious, you know, what you know, what could be that little smallest thing that looking back, because we always, when looking back, we can uh, kind of paint the picture, connect the dots. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I did this and this, how it could happen. So, and for people, it could be different thing. For some, I spoke thing was breathing. Somebody mentioned, you know, how you start because we don't even know the simple act we take for granted the fact that we are breathing we take for granted and there is a whole science about it and it's just one example <laughs> so. well and you know when you go 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 all the time and you're caught up in all of that list of things that have to be done and you don't take a few minutes a day to whatever that's going to be to to clear your mind and think you do get caught you will often get caught up on that treadmill and and the do 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 go 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 often doesn't bring any any meaning in your life it doesn't bring you joy it just so if you're walking out the door in the morning and you're dreading where you're going that you know you gotta listen start listening i'm not just going because i'm on that treadmill uh, the universe is telling you something <laughs> yes what what makes your heart sing my children seeing the joy in my children absolutely my heart will be singing in a couple of weeks because uh my kids are not here right um oh. they well it's they come and go. That's just the way things happen these days. But my oldest has been on the East Coast for quite some time. So we don't get to see him as often. And this is the first time that my three children and my husband and I will be together in uh, over two years oh, wow. uh, for his wedding. So two and a half years, actually. Uh, and COVID was part of that because people got COVID when we were supposed to get together and other things. But anyway, uh, joy that, that, that is going to, when my family connects and my family's larger, my siblings all live close by. We get together all the time. I talk to my two sisters on the phone four days a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's my mom's legacy. Uh, family is what it's all about. Brings me joy. Absolutely. 
I love it. Amazing. Yeah. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you would like to share? Oh, just self-forgiveness. Just everybody. Hey, so much happens in our day. So much happens in our day. And my niece, my coworker, my social worker niece helped me because things didn't go as planned as we were about to launch our book. There was a delay. There's not enough print files. The printing cost has gone up and delay, delay, delay. And my niece said it best. That's okay. That's all right. It's, it's, it's not, if you're an A type personality that I used to be much more than I am, I'm still there. Mm -hmm. It's about forgiving ourselves because we put that judgment on ourselves. It's self-compassion. It's all right. If things don't go as planned, you roll with it and you learn from it one way or another, as opposed to the self-dread and the, oh, I did this again. And why do I keep making this mistake? You're only hurting yourself. Yes, totally. Because there is no failure. Everything is a feedback. You do yeah. something, you, okay, this, is, this doesn't work. Like the Edison, when he created the light bulb, he figured out, if somebody asked him, I just figured out a thousand ways that you cannot produce a light bulb. <laughs> true. Instead of looking at it like, oh, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So that's yeah, very true. Very, very true. If people would like to find you, connect with you, buy your book, where would they go? Go to lynnmclaughlin.com. Everything is there. If you're interested in the books, go to the books tab. You, there are many places that the book series is going to be, or the I Have Choices is right now that you can, if you want a personalized and scribe copy, you can ask for one. Um, I also have a podcast called Taking the Helm. It's, it's all in one place, lynnmclaughlin.com. And my niece is at Messmakers, but there's three S's, M-E-S-S-S makers.com. And she actually has a lot of resources for parents as well because she's a practicing social worker and runs a summer uh, program uh, teaching kids emotional literacy. So I love it. And we will include all of the links in the episode notes so you can check them out for yourself. Thank you, Lynn, so much for coming on, sharing your story. And I love your book, Power of Thought. I think it's incredible and going to help so many children and parents to help kids manage emotions and deal with them and learn about them uh, because oftentimes we don't speak of them so thank Very you so true. much my pleasure and honor thank you for having me if you like this episode please share with somebody who would benefit you can leave comments topic suggestions and add your reviews on apple podcasts it also helps greatly when you download the episode if you feel lost emotionally hurt after divorce and want to rediscover who you are you don't have to do it alone. Join our community on Facebook, Limitless Women, Self-Love, Mindset, and Support for Relationships, where we hold trainings and various events to help you thrive and become happy again. Because life after divorce is possible and can even be great. If no one told you today, I want you to know that I love you and believe in you, because you are limitless.